Hey homies, it's Michelle Bennett, graphic designer, turn marketer, turn interior decorator, and apparently now podcast host. That's right, peeps. I selfishly started a podcast so that I would have an excuse to pick the brains of designers, decorators, and industry experts so that I can get to the next level. And the best part is you guys are coming with me. All right, guys, I'm here today with Crispin Butterfield, and I'm talking to her for the third time. Thank you for being here again. Hey, thanks for asking me. Um, I feel like I'm uh, a little bit of a Hall of Famer now. Yeah, you are. So, okay, guys, um, we are not going to, we're not going to get into Crispin's backstory because we already did that. So if you want to know more about Crispin after you listen to this super inspiring podcast, you're going to want to go back to episode four, which she totally tells us about her backstory. And then she tells us how to break up with a client <laughs> in a way that sounds less horrible than that. Um, and then in episode 11, she came back to talk to us about networking, which was an amazing and very, very current topic for me. But today we're talking about a little side thing you've been doing. So you have started... Uh, creative, the creative human. Why don't you tell everybody what you started and kind of what, what you're hoping it will do for people? So, okay. So creative human, uh, business insight and mentorship for interior designers. It is, it's just a baby thing, but it's actually, it's kind of taking off. It has its own life right now, which I love. Um, I, I, oh, I want to say probably about two, years ago, I just felt, I've had this feeling that I needed to have a community and have a place where designers can come, um, ask questions, get feedback, get advice, basically be mentored. All the things that I didn't have when I was starting off on my own journey. And, um, yeah, I just, I just, for the last two years, I've been like, man, I need to start something. I need to do something. I don't know what it looks like. I don't know where it's going to go. Um, but I need to do something. And then I didn't do anything. Like I didn't do anything. Um, cause you know, as life happens and we're all busy with our careers, um, time just flies right by. And it was, I was at the end of last year, just before Christmas. And, um, I just was feeling it's hard to describe because when you have on the outside, everything looks great. You know, you look, you've got jobs, you're busy. Um, you have a really, like, I have a good life and I'm grateful for it. But inside, I just felt like something was missing. There was another piece of where I'm supposed to be, what I'm supposed to be doing in my journey on this planet. Um, and that was, yeah, I just felt ugh, something was off. And so we went away for Christmas um, and I just decided uh, we were in this little cabin for about five days in the woods in um, the Kootenays in BC and uh, really nothing to do except relax and enjoy life. And I just decided, you know what, darn it. I'm going to, I'm just going to start. I don't know. I don't know what it is. I'm really starting, but I'm putting something out there. And this, it was on the drive home. I was talking with my husband. I'm like, what am I going to name this thing? And we sort of were passing ideas back and forth and I just was like, you know, it's for interior designers, but I see myself down the road. Like this is a global thing and it's not just for interior designers. It's for all creative professionals. So I needed to have a name that sort of spoke to a larger audience. And so, you know, I didn't want to call it the design this or, you know, pigeonhole it into just interior design. So we came up with creative human because I think everybody's a creative human. It doesn't, doesn't matter 
you know, whether you're an artist or not, or whether you're an accountant, there are pieces of everybody inside that are, that speaks to creativity. Um, so yeah, so creative human. And then we created this, or I created this group on Facebook. Um, it's not client facing. It's completely like a closed group, basically like your group too, Michelle. And, um, yeah, it's a place where, you know, it's for interior designers, decorators, design students, um, basically anything, anybody in the industry. Um, it's a place for them to come and find information. Um, I'll do videos. I'll share some of the things that I do in my business. I'll share some of the things that, um, you know, tips and tricks, like for example, your podcast, you know, where we talked about networking and how scary it can be for people to go and network. So it's real life information, but geared towards the interior design professional. And so far, so when did you launch that? January 1st. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) January 1st of this year. That's so good. I mean, it's so funny. I get the same thing where like, sometimes you just like something gets in your head and it just won't go away. And I think that that's like, that's just a a pure like gut thing that's telling you like, you need to do this. I was listening to, you know who Jenna Sincero is? Yeah. So I was listening to a podcast with her and, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger's wife or ex-wife. I don't know. New podcast I filmed called A Hot Tip, People. It's a good podcast. It's called Maria Shriver Meaningful Conversations. I don't know how I found it. And um, and Jen Sincero just said, I think it was Jen Sincero anyway. I I listened to one about Chelsea Handler, but she wrote Mm -hmm. a third book, I guess. And she just said like, you know, it just, this idea just wouldn't leave me alone. And mm-hmm. it just kept following me. And so I just had to do it. Mm-hmm. I think that's like a huge thing with creative people too, is yes. like you get this idea and it doesn't <laughs> leave you alone. And then you get to do it. Yeah. yeah. Um, and truth be told, like this, I hadn't just, it's been more than two years. I've thought about this probably since like the beginning of my career that, you know, I, there needs to be some place that offers more and is a support system is like non-competitive it's collaborative and you just kind of go through the motion and you get caught up in life and you get busy and then I've just found myself I'm at a place in life where you know uh I've learned so much over this is not my 16th year in business um and just even as a human not just as a designer um and it's time to just for me I need to share that that's part of my purpose. I kind of, um, design is my passion, but mentoring is my purpose. And I truly, I feel now like I'm on that next step. Um, and then sort of on that next path to what I'm supposed to be doing in my life. And yeah, this group is just the beginning of that. Well, congratulations. It's kind of like you're birthing a whole new baby. Another business. Yeah. I Yeah, it's gonna come with like a whole lot of ups and downs as well. Yes. So okay, I'm curious because I know the feeling of like running a Facebook group and like does it ever does it ever weigh heavy on you? Are you like, oh shoot, I should get in there and like oh, yeah. it has been the transition to like layering this. Because, you know, if you're going to have a group, you want to make sure you're engaged. Like, how's yes. that transition been for you? Um, it's been slow. And it's been purposely slow because um, I don't want to... I mean, I just started. So that was like acting with intention and acting, just acting. Um, but I don't want to just put anything out there. So I'm probably not as engaged right now as I plan to be. Yeah. And that's okay for me because, you know, the, the level of engagement that we do have is good. And, you know, people are starting to ask questions and you know post their own questions and comments which is what I love that's what I, the whole point of this is not just for me to like blab at people 
and be a one woman show. It's, it's for everybody to kind of get involved and start conversations with one another. So slowly but surely that's happening. Um, I just, I think I have content, I have things planned, but as we all know, like our careers and jobs and things on job sites, they pull you away. Uh, so I'm just being very gentle on myself and not really having too many expectations right now for the first six months, eight months, just sort of seeing where things go. And then as things develop and I kind of get a better handle on how to do this Facebook group thing, um, I think things will just happen naturally. And more content will come and more videos will come and more like a, a, a formal website will actually happen where mm-hmm. you know people can go to the website and find videos. Um, and I, I hope to have sort of downloads one day for, you know, people with certain situations or questions, they're already there for you. You don't have to wait for a conversation to happen. So yeah, I guess we just have to see what happens. That's kind of how I'm taking it right now. And I think that's the best way to approach it too, because like, First of all, you don't know what's going to happen. No. Like it could, you're starting, you're just starting, which I think has been like a big message that I've been talking about, even in my group, which, and we're on this podcast is like, you know what we sometimes it's good to think about things and have a plan, <laughs> but, um, her dog's passed out behind her just chilling. I can see yeah. her. <laughs> she keeps in the camera. She raises her head, <laughs> but, um, but it's good to just like, get started and then let see what happens, which is like anybody who has anything really big. A lot of the times they do say like, I really just started. I didn't expect any of this to happen. And it's just like, as long as you're being so authentic and and honest, like it's going to take off. Okay. That being said, you didn't put all this pressure on yourself for this group, but (laughs) something insane. I think I'm just like in awe of it. So, Tell everybody what you did recently. Okay. So we started this platform January 1st. Um, and I have amazing friends here in town. And a lot of them, most of them actually are business owners um, and creatives. And around November, December, as everyone can relate, you know, with winter in Canada, we're just done. <laughs> so done. Oh and uninspired and just like, oh my gosh, just get us out of here. So I was talking with a friend and we, um, two years ago, we hosted a design workshop. She's a florist, an amazing florist in town. Um, and we co-hosted an event and I had, you know, tips and tricks for summer. So I did interior design and she did the floral, the planters and whatnot. And, um, we were chatting, we we're like, let's just, you know, she was like, let's do a workshop. And I just, right now I'm just not interested in, uh, I just, there's so much more I want to do and you know, where my gifts I think are leading me. And so I was like, I don't want to do a workshop. I'm like, but wait, let's do an event. <laughs> so, so we sort of talked about, you know, a shift I think in business right now is, um, it's so socially conscious and it's community focused and it's all about giving back. Um, not just take, take, take for yourself. It's giving back to the world and giving back to your community. And so we were like, let's do, why don't we have a panel event where we can bring other creative humans, you know, to the forefront and really tap into the amazing group of creatives we have in the city. Cause there's just so many here. It's, it's amazing. Um, let's do an event where we have, you know, three or four panelists. We share our stories. We share some of our failures and the lessons we've learned in business. We share what we're looking forward to, to the words of the future, just all the things that we feel other people would want to know that, you know, are either starting out or that maybe they've been in business for a long time. And they just need to find that sense of community and just to be validated through somebody else's story. So that's how oh, the creative human mentorship series came about. And we just held the very first event last Saturday, April 27th. 
And based on the photos, it looked like it went amazing. It was pretty it was good. Event, yeah. right? so <laughs> What's that? I want to break this down because okay. I'm very intrigued. So truth be told, I've been going to, a, like, I just went to um, an event, which was, it was the business lady, business Bob babe collective, which I think yeah. you commented on. They have, I mean, the lady started it. chapter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She, she the founder chapter in is in Vancouver. Yeah. Yeah. That, anyway, and I follow I them and they, I want to go to one of their events. You it should looks- go. It was an amazing <laughs> thing. I was so inspired, but I mean, I was inspired in business, but I was also like, wow, like I would like to do something like this and have it be catered to just designers. And maybe it becomes like design talk or talk. What the hell is the name of my podcast? I just named it. Um, Real Talk Design Live. I don't know. But, it's okay. Um, I got totally hung up on creative human at the beginning. Right? I, just, I don't even think I announced it the right way. But all I those know, words are in there, not in that order. <laughs> but, but anyway, so it was like super inspired. Then I see you doing this and I'm just like, okay, here's my issue um, is that I get extremely overwhelmed in the details in like in a, in a like paralyzing um procrastination I'm been, I've been very open about this there's something about shit like this that just like puts my brain on like it puts the brakes on my brain you get analysis paralysis yeah and so basically yeah. I want you to tell me what was your first step in doing this like oh. wh- what did you charge like did you start okay. with the menu? Tell me everything. How the Let's break it down. Let's break it down. Okay. And just like to be fully transparent, I obsess with details and I get really annoying, I'm sure, to the people that I'm working with because I just, you know, I just can't sort of be laid back enough that I don't know what's happening um, throughout the entire way. process, right? Because it's like, it's, it reflects on me, my brand, um, the experience I know I can create for other people and I don't have full control over other people um, yeah. who are you know, also working at say the venue or catering or whatnot. So that's, I, I go crazy with details too. So don't feel bad. Oh, yeah, it's, I feel you. It's just us. We're just like that. Yeah. So, okay, let's break it down. Where did we start? Okay. So it was probably the second week in February. And in this city, like spring and summer kind of come in with a bang at the same time. And that's usually the beginning of May. Um, and then people are busy. They're out wine tasting. They're out enjoying life. They're not interested in going to an event and being indoors on the weekends. So we're like, okay, it has to happen before May 1st. Um, it's the middle of February. We probably need about eight weeks to build this out. And even then, like that was cutting it close for me for my own comfort level. Yeah. Because Um, especially like you just launched this, like, it's not like you have this huge following of people that you could just like rely on. Not at all. No. And, um, I don't, yeah, I don't know what it's like in, um, in Toronto, there's so many options, but here it's funny because it's a smaller, it's only 130,000 people ish, but there are events like so many events so many things happening you're competing for people's time money and attention on the daily so it's not like there's nothing happening and bam this new event's happening and everyone's going to want to go to it it was a hustle to compete for space and attention with all the other things happening in this city so yeah eight weeks out we decided okay we're going to host this panel event we just um, we got together my friend and I just did a rough draft like this is sort of the format um, four panelists and four different industries. Um, basically from one, we did Saturday because we thought, you know, it's, 
there's, it's a bit of a commitment, but there's, there's so many business and networking things on the weekdays. Let's do it on a weekend. So we picked a Saturday and whether that's like, that was good or not. I'm not sure we had comments from, you know, both sides that it would have been cool on a weeknight so that they could enjoy their weekend. And then other people were totally fine with it. So you just have to kind of pick what you think works best for you and just go from there. So, um, yeah, we, we hashed out the event, we made a draft, um, you know, from one to four, the first essentially 40 minutes would be 10 minutes per panelist, basically giving their backstories and sort of sharing with the audience a little bit about their creative side and what got them into business. And this was also like for creative entrepreneurs. So each panelist was a creative in business. Um, yeah, uh, we switched the format a little bit. So we had the 40 minutes, then we took like a five minute coffee break. Um, we came back together as a collective. The four panelists then took about half an hour and we shared our one of our biggest F-ups in business. Um, and then back and forth kind of dialogued about what was the greatest lessons that came out of those failures. So that was very, that was very vulnerable for some people. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, some stories people... People aren't comfortable sharing those parts of them because sometimes we're so focused on putting out the prettiest, most polished, most professional versions of ourselves. Yeah. And um, yeah, but I find like that is the piece that connects everybody. When yes. you have someone else's, it is because you know you might not have failed as hard or as big, um, or you might have done it bigger than the person next to you. But when you find out that this person who you think is one way, you know, you assume, and you you find out literally they're just like you. That's the common thread that connects everybody. So we shared those. Yeah. I think too, like you look at these successful people and you're Mm -hmm. like, Oh, they're different than me or they're this, like they've never struggled. And you're like in a place where things are a little hard. And a lot of the times what we need is hope. And you know, yeah. So hearing that person who's like, whatever you 16 and years in business, go back and remember, you know what? I had this period where I was really struggling to get clients or everything was falling apart and I wanted to give up. But look at me now, like this is what happened. You know, the, for me anyway, I, I'm, this is very much speaking mm-hmm. from my own perspective. Like I need that. I'm having mm-hmm. Veronica Solomon back on and I told her like, I would like you to tell me about like those hard times. Like I want this yeah. to be a podcast about hope for people <laughs> struggling. But and I think I people love need it. that. Like you need to see no, you that. Do. You do. And um, truth be told, like the people that are the most successful, honestly, have struggled the hardest. There's no way around it. That is like... And apparently Nike, I don't know. I want to read the book. Somebody, I was listening to somebody talk about having read the Nike book. Apparently Nike like had a real hard go of it. Like, and like, look at Nike now, right? Right. Okay. I have some more detailed questions. Okay. Did you start with the venue? Like, when did you decide on picking the venue? Okay. And how right many away. people did you decide you wanted to attend said? Okay. So we, um, I'll talk to the venue first. We, okay. I wanted a space that was bright, inspiring, um, had good vibes, you know, like a conference hall in a hotel with no windows to the outdoors just wouldn't have cut it. So we picked the venue specifically for the atmosphere and the yeah, there's the like good vibes that it had. So we picked, uh, it was called the Hotel El Dorado. It's down on the lakefront here. It is probably one of the priciest or most priciest venues. Um, we could have gone with something less expensive, but for me, for the first one straight out the gate, I wanted to have the experience, the venue, the, like everything tie into this 
messaging in this experience perfectly. So pick the venue right away. Um, this whole, the, the venue itself, they have in-house catering. They have like, they have the wine, they have the booze, they have the servers, everything's in-house. You pay a premium for that. So it was more expensive, but if you're looking to do something like this and you know, you're a little bit overwhelmed, consider that you want something that can do everything in-house. So you don't have to worry about outside catering. You don't have to worry about getting a liquor license and having a server. Um, all those pieces of the puzzle, right? So yeah. for us, it was like, all right, uh, that's sort of like, that's the catch 22. It's a beautiful spot. It has everything in house, but it's more expensive. So our ticket prices are going to be higher. We're going to have to work that much harder to sell the value on the event for a higher ticket price. So that was just sort of the, the deal that we made with ourselves. And, <laughs> so and how many people did it hold? Um, so we, the room itself could have held, I would say comfortably about 70. We had planned for 40. And that was sort of our break even with a little bit of profit level was 40. And we ended up with 55. Amazing. Congratulations. So, okay. So would it be safe for me to say that you, the real, the only true cost was the venue and anything that you were serving at the venue? Uh, sure. Yes. So we had to, there was a room rental fee. There was with a lot of venues, they have a minimum spend. So for our, this venue, we had to pay a small room rental fee. Then we also had to have a minimum spend. of I think it was $600 in food and booze. And we went above that obviously, but that's sort of, if you don't have that, they'll charge you that minimum fee regardless of how many people you have. Um, and shoot, what was the other part of that question? Okay. And so, yeah, was that basically it? Like you, so basically you said this was the cost of the venue. We know that we want to get at least 40. Room rentals, booze, food. Um, I also paid the speakers, the other speakers. I know there are other, um, there are other panel panel events where everyone just comes and volunteers their time. And that's amazing. I wanted something to incentivize the other panelists to do more than just the bare minimum and do a better job preparing for this event because I didn't want anybody to show up and just, I mean, we all kind of weigh in at certain stages, but I didn't want anyone to come unprepared and just completely, you know, we all had to be at a certain caliber. We're not professional speakers, but we all had to be polished in some regard. So I decided that, you know what, um, yeah, I'm going to pay my speakers because their time is valuable, but then I can, I'm going to require a little bit more from them. And I'm going to ask them to help promote this event on their social platforms as well, because now they're getting paid to be there. So <laughs> absolutely, I, mean, I think that's smart. If you get someone to do that for free, who's just wanting to come on board and support you. Great. But that was also another hard cost was a small speaking fee to the speakers. And, and how did you, okay. So, okay. Let's talk about the panel. Sure. How did you, number one, identify who, like, did you already have in mind people you wanted to reach out to? And then you reached out to those people. Mm -hmm. Yes. And did you have a number in mind or was it every speaker was paid something different or, and they negotiated it? I, um, okay. So, uh, when we were sort of drafting out what the event would be, what the vibe would be, I included myself as a speaker because Duh, there's like one down. I don't have to include anybody else. And then my friend, um, who's the florist, she was panelist number two for the very right. first one. So there's two right off the block that we don't have to um, bring on board. And um, from there, we were like, okay, we've got interior design. We have floral design. What's something that's totally different? And we just kind of made a list of like photography, um, digital arts, graphic artists. Uh, what else was there? there a was really makeup. handsome man. Right, right. He was so handsome. Uh, <laughs> 
shoot. There was, um, you know, makeup artistry. Uh, There's some incredible, incredibly talented uh, women that own some of the top salons, you know, across like the Okanagan and sort of in BC here. So, and they're mad business women, like their skills are our next level. So we're like, why would we just make it interior design or graphic designer? Like, let's open the, let's open the spectrum a little bit um, and include other, other creatives. So we sort of made a list and then worked backwards. Like, okay, my energy and my story is this. Uh, Shauna, who's the florist is this like, okay, we want to bring on a male, you know, we don't want to have just all women. Um, I think there, there's a lot, there's a benefit to doing just a female centered event, but we wanted to appeal to a broader range and bring in other creatives. Um, mm-hmm. so we didn't want it to make it seem like it was a women's only event. Yeah. It's a creative so I, event. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So we asked, um, yeah, Tegan, the photographer, videographer. Um, and then I have a friend again, like I said, most of my friends are in business. I just had a really good pool of people to approach first. My friend Ling, who is an international makeup artist and, um, Oh man, just an incredible story. Like her background, she's only been in the business for, this is her second year, you know, fully committed to just doing international, you know, events. Um, and she's just published two books and like the list, it's crazy. This, the amount of people here that are, you know, have things going on is crazy. So I asked her and everybody said yes. And I said, listen, we have um, like, yep, no, yeah. I'm down. That's oh, here's the thing. You have to be a really good salesperson and sell because right now there's nothing. There's no, like now I've got video. Now I have photos. I can show social proof of what an event is like and the vibes and everything. Right. Back then all, all I had was literally, I made in, I think it was in word or in Corel. I made a little sheet. I had the creative human logo. I kind of said like, this is the whole purpose. This is the value. This is the little bit of a draft of what the day is going to be like. Um, and use some key words, you know, inspirational, motivational, um, authentic, la la la. Right. And literally just sold the crap out of those words on a piece of white paper. And honestly, <laughs> and like, let's be real. If you mm-hmm. contact somebody and say, I am inspired by you. And I think others would be too. Like how hard is it to Unless you're just so free and busy with your time, like, yeah. and you're actually a paid speaker on the reg, yeah. like, you're so flattered. Yeah, exactly. And I, uh, we were open to, you know what, the people that, the panelists that are meant to be part of Series 1 will be available for Series 1. There's no reason to beg, you know, anyone to come and do this. If someone doesn't see the value and they're just not interested, that's okay. They're they're. There's a reason why. And at the end of the day, we ended up with, you know, the other two panelists coming together. We had such an amazing time. It was, it was truly, actually we had, we'd asked a different photographer first um, because I didn't know Tegan personally yet. Um, And he signed on and then he, um, he had to go to LA the weekend of this event. So we had to decline, but he recommended Tegan and that's how we met him. Okay. It just worked out. It's worked out the way it was supposed to work out. It was. Yeah. Okay. I have more questions. So many, I just keep writing things down as you're talking. So, okay. Okay. The question is this. So you, okay. You come up with, this is what it's costing. Okay. Can I ask? Yeah. Did you guys come up with the number for what you were willing to pay the speaker? And can you, do you mind sharing what that number was? Sure. Um, it's basically, we have three hours of their time and it's, you know, I just told them, listen guys, this is a pilot project. Like we don't have a budget. It's, it's all just, we're running, we're running with it. And I told them I'm not taking a speaker fee. Um, Sean is not taking a speaker fee, but we want to compensate you for your time because it's valuable. So we just said three hours, a hundred dollars an hour. So $300. How does that sound? Everyone's like, yeah, sure. And I'm sure if someone had come back, 
Yeah, I'm sure if someone had come back and, you know, had said, you know, I don't think that's reasonable or, you know, had counted with something, we might have considered it. But I thought, you know what, let's, I, I don't think that's low, but I don't think that's high. No. And for what it's worth, you know, it's, we're not, it's, you're not, a, we're not professional speakers. And this is sort of a passion project for all of us at this stage. I thought that was reasonable. And yeah, so we just, and they, and they obviously did too. Yeah, they were happy to sure They were so flattered, I'm sure. Okay. So now, you know, some of the costs involved, not to mention the mm-hmm. value of what people are getting just for coming. What do yeah. you decide the, the ticket fee is going to be? Okay. So we just work backwards. We take our hard costs and we base it off of 40. We were hoping we would do a little bit more, but we, we basically went backwards and did everything off of 40 people. So we took all of our hard costs divided by 40. And then we came up with what, you know, the cost per person is to put this event on. So room rental, food, booze, speaker fees. Oh, we also did a bit of advertising on Facebook. Like we boosted I created a Facebook page for the series and then I created the event in that Facebook page so that we could then link that to anything we sent out to anybody. Um, and then we could also boost that event. So that's what I also did for a promotion. It was just purely on Facebook and Instagram. Um, so we included a bit of a, like, I think it was $150. So three $50 boosts over the last eight weeks. Um, yeah. Divided by 40. <laughs> and that's kind of what we, so what was what that we, number? What were, what were the ticket prices? What was the hard cost? I think the hard costs you know, were so you fifth. Tell me that, but you can. What oh, was the well, ticket price per? Oh, it was. We set it at fifty nine dollars per person. That is like, yeah, that's. I mean, it's not. You know, it's funny totally though. It's like reasonable. to you and me, it's like yes. It's, to you and me, it's like that's great. To, to somebody else though, they might look at that and go, "Wow, like that's." There are other events in the city that are happening that are, you know, $25, $30 ticket. Um, But a lot of it is geared towards tech or the wine industry or um, these companies that are putting these events on have a lot of uh, corporate sponsorship and social backing. So they have, you know, they have um, people sponsoring them. And so they can afford to have like super low ticket prices because it's not coming out of their pocket. So, you know, so do you look at like apples to apples? It's really not apples to apples, but somebody might look at and go, wow, that's kind of high. So it was, in my mind, it was slightly high. Um, But yeah, it it worked out. And okay, so I feel like you did have some sponsorship a little bit though, right? So can you tell me about that? Yes, we, I reached out to probably... I think about six or seven of the friends I have in business and just sold them on this concept and kind of why I wanted them to be a part of it. Um, and how I felt like they aligned with the values of this, the whole thing. And, uh, yeah, we have some amazing people in this community who just like love supporting other entrepreneurs. So we had four sponsors and I created this tiered list of sponsorship. It was sort of three levels. You could come aboard at this price and it gives you this, this, this in terms of promotion, um, a thank you at the event. You get two to three minutes to promote your business if you wanted at the event, which everyone declined because no one wants to do that. But, you know, for the, for the odd person that's like, great, this is an opportunity to, to pitch my company or my services in front of 55 people, like a direct audience. It was like valuable. Um, and then some people just were, I don't want anything. Like if you share my stuff, that's great, but I'm just doing this cause I want to support you. So we, we were able to offset some of our costs with some sponsorships, which is great. And then, Oh, and kindly, this is a suggestion, ask your sponsors to come up with some swag or like a door prize that you can also include as incentive to be there. Um, yeah. And they're, they're, they're more than happy to do that. I love it. 
Yeah. So I assume like, okay, you, you're about eight weeks out. You make this decision is what you said, right? And then you, you start freaking out because <laughs> you're yeah. like, what am I doing? <laughs> and, and you're like, well, we obviously need to get on ticket sales on the ASAP, but we also need yeah. to have something to show people that they're getting. So yeah. you just immediately start taking it to the Facebook and Instagram to promote yeah. and obviously yeah. maybe a bit of word of mouth or something. Yeah. And, um, so yeah, it's Facebook first and then I created an Instagram page and then you can like link those two pages together so that you can cross post, which is helpful. And for me, it was about, I'm not, I mean, I guess I'm a bit of a marketer, but I'm not a professional marketer. So I don't have like the strategy. I just kind of go with what I feel needs to happen. And there's always ways to improve that. I know I will down the road, but for me, it was like, I need to share and tell the story of an event that hasn't even happened yet. So I have to create this fire story, festival, right? <laughs> oh. <laughs> kind of, <laughs> not did, but, but <laughs> and like, right? this experience. Yes, exactly. Thank you. You're selling this experience to a community that, you know, there's, it's never, it hasn't been done. There's nothing to fall back on and show photos of. So I just started creating this story. And for me, that was tapping into the stories of the panelists. So I started by posting about each of the panelists. I asked them to give me a bit of a bio and a little backstory that spoke to, you know, just quickly how they got into the industry, some of the things that they've, you know, been involved with, some of the hinting at some of the things they would be sharing, not giving it all away, but giving hints. Um, And I really started promoting the panelists because people, when you can put like a face to a name or an experience, I think people are more committed. So I started doing that. Um, I started taking inspirational quotes of things I could find um, online that, you know, tied into the messaging behind this event um, what else did I do? I also created little videos. I would go and just have a candid interview with each of the panelists and then edit that in, in iMovie on my iPhone, like on a Friday night, cause I have no life. And, um, I start to put together it with some music because music, the audio to me also creates that experience and that energy. Um, and just did a little, little, not professional really at all, but little videos of the panelists and just, you know, asking them like, Hey, when I asked you to get involved, why the heck did you say yes? And why do you think it's important to share your story? Why do you think it's important to have a sense of community for creatives? Blah, blah, blah. And then I just would edit that and throw up little videos and post those on, on each um, platform. Okay. So when did you get your first ticket sale and how did that feel? Okay. I, I don't know. I think it was, oh, it was a while. It was probably two or three weeks after we started heavily like going at this. And then we just assumed this is amazing. And like, woohoo, everyone, you know, 40 tickets, not a problem. We got eight weeks to do this and crickets. It was nothing. And then you sort of start to question like, Oh crap. you know, <laughs> What are we not doing? Who are we not reaching? What's yeah. not connecting? La la la. And uh, we came to the conclusion that a people are last minute always um, B they want a bit of social proof. They want something to validate their decisions to go to this. Um, yeah. And, and see, we just had to be really patient. And I, that is my Achilles heel. I'm not patient at all. I'm the most impatient person ever. So I really, I started panicking, honestly, like I tell everybody, you know, like you have to be patient and trust the universe. And like, uh, no, I was waking up at three in the morning, like restless and just yeah. like, what is going on? This is not normal. And I recognize that, no, I'm like, I have anxiety about this. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the first ticket sale, I think was probably two to three weeks after, and it was slow. It was slow going. And up until maybe three weeks before the event, we'd only sold half of the seats. 
And we were starting to think like, okay, let's do a contest. Let's do like a ticket giveaway to get some engagement and get some buzz around this. And hopefully that helps. We did a contest. It did help. But at the end of the day, it was like the last week and a half. Bang, bang, bang. All these sales started coming in. And you're like, oh, I knew this would happen. But I just, I didn't believe it eight weeks ago. And I was freaking out. And so everyone's pretty much last minute, at least in this city. No one buys anything in advance. They just want to wait and see how they feel that weekend or leading up to it. Like, yeah, okay, I'll go. Or I meant to go and I just, I'm too busy and I never bought tickets. Oh I'm doing God. it now. Yeah, it was, Talk it, was about scary. it was stressful. <laughs> yeah, it was a little stressful. Yeah. I started looking at like, all right. So my husband, he's, he's a doll. He's like, listen, he's like, if you don't sell all your tickets, it's fine. You can, you know, invite other business owners, you can, however you want to do it, just fill the room, have a really great party. You'll have a good time. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, no, I won't. (laughs) I won't be having a good time. That's an expensive party. I didn't plan to throw, you know, and luckily, luckily it didn't work out that way. It was fine, but it was stress. I honestly, it was stressful leading up to the last two weeks, not knowing like, are we even just going to break even what's going on? And then we went over, we had to find 15 more tickets basically for people. That's amazing. Yeah. So you, I saw that you had like photos and video of the event. Did you guys have somebody that you hired to take that for you? No. Uh, (laughs) One day, yes, we will. But with our budget, I thought, you know what? No, I am. I'm just going to shoot on my iPhone um, with an app. I'm just going to take, you know, snippets of things here and there. Um, take photos myself. I asked a few friends to also in the back, take a couple videos and send to me so I can, I could stitch stuff together. The whole, what I loved about that was like, there's no cost involved. Um, but it also was just more real and more candid. I love watching beautiful polished videos of all these things, but I also love seeing videos where you can tell it's just more like from the lens of the observer and not this production. Mm -hmm. Um, and the whole point of this event is like, authenticity and vulnerability and just being real, you know? So it kind of, thankfully, um, my little videography skills and my photography, I don't feel hampered the overall, you know, effect. Yeah, and I mean, I thought sort you of that messaging. someone doing that. <laughs> no, thank you. It was me. That's <laughs> it was awesome. Me around on iMovie, basically on my iPhone and just teach. It's so simple. And if you can play around with that and create some little videos and add some music and just edit here and there. Like it's really effective and it costs you nothing. And I liked that. Right. (laughs) I liked it too. Your first event does too. Okay. So when do you, okay. So looking back on the event, obviously it was a huge success. What are some things that you're like, okay, not doing that next time. Okay. I am not, um, I'm not going to do a super expensive event. Um, I think like the atmosphere, the view, like this is right on the lake. It has like wall to wall windows, um, accordion style doors that would open up to a terrace. Like, it was gorgeous. And it was, it was perfect for the first event, but, uh, moving forward, I don't think we need to go to that extreme or that cost. So for me, it's about now I know, sort of timelines, costs, uh, how things are leading up to it. Um, I think we can still create that atmosphere in a different venue. And I know I want to keep 
I would love to keep prices down. So ticket prices, so it's more accessible to other people, you know, other artists, other, other creators. We had students reach out that this was a cool thing too. And they asked if we had a student price. And sadly on this one, we were so close on our margins. Like I just didn't have any room to reduce the ticket price. So, um, yeah, but it got got me thinking like next time I want to do one that's like for students, maybe held it or hold it at the university and do a panelist series for creative entrepreneurs, but in startup or in school. Um, yeah, so for me, it's like, okay, I can just trim the costs for venue for sure. Um, and then I, that'll allow me to lower the ticket price. And I would also like to bring in more sponsors. We kind of secured four, you know, we just secured four sponsors. Um, and that brought in some cash and I was like, okay, that's good. You know, we're all struggling to run our businesses and promote an event. I don't want to have to kind of solicit other sponsorships. We'll just cap it at four for this one. So yeah, I want to do, I want to do more sponsorship. Um, what else? Oh, here's a little lesson I learned the hard way. We, we had budgeted for, for 50, 52, I think, or 55, 52, maybe with the venue for food costs and for food, like for quantity. And the I, two days before I confirmed with the event manager and, um, we did not get food for 52 people, 55 people. I don't even think we got food for maybe 30 people. So that was the one hiccup. I don't, I mean, now that it's out there and whoever watches this, if you came, we're so sorry. <laughs> but, um, I don't think people notice. I asked, I asked a couple, I noticed right away. I also, you know, during the setup of the event, I asked some of the staff, like, where's the rest of the food? Oh yeah, we'll go find it. And then that was sort of the end of it. And then we started and like, well, when it's done. Um, I, I followed up with a couple people that I knew personally after who had come to the event and they honestly didn't even notice. They said, you know, like, yeah, there wasn't much, but I had brought bowls with candy. Like I went to bulk barn and I got gummy bears and I got Reese's pieces and I got little shovels. So no one got their little fingers in there and I got cupcake. Um, what are those cupcake, the paper wrappers for cupcakes, big ones. So they get scoop candy and oh, you know, yeah, yeah, so yeah. people had munchies and thank God I brought that because we were out of food within the first half hour, not even. Oh, wow before one o'clock. So that's the lesson I learned is like, I, you know, I always, I micromanage oh, way too much, but sometimes there's that, there's nothing wrong with that because this is what happens if you don't. So I was, you know, running around that day and I'm like, Oh, I've already been annoying. And I'm already following up and asking people for this and that. And like, but that's what an event planner does. So I don't know why I didn't embrace that. And just was like, where's the food. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'll just it beforehand, just confirm exactly what you're getting and confirm the quantities that you're getting for that price. Because right. in my mind, what they say we got and what we were paid for, like it just, it didn't line up and it, that didn't go, that didn't create a great experience that way. But um, so that's something I learned too. It's just, you have to follow up and micromanage all those details. If you want to make sure you're giving the experience you, you say you're going to give. Right. Okay. So um, safe to say you're going to do this again. Yeah, I'm planning to do, I want to, I was thinking I'd do it quarterly. And then after doing one, I'm like, nope, <laughs> we'll Yay. do this in the spring and the fall. Okay. <laughs> it's just, um, yeah, it's a lot of work. And it's, I mean, once you get things set up, you have the Facebook page of the Insta, you get a bit of a following. It's less work for sure. But the hustle to promote the, um, you know, getting information from all the panelists, getting the panelists. This is the other thing. Like ask the panelists to share and promote. So creating posts on Instagram, tagging all the panelists and then following up with them to make sure that they shared because 
that was part of our sponsorship offering was that you would get the collective reach of the four of us, not just the one, you know, event page. So you can leverage the panelists followers. So then I'm like, I have to make sure that the panelists are sharing because we've promised this to the sponsorship. So it's just, it's just uh, a lot of responsibility. Um, yeah. And I just, it was a new experience for me I, a little bit. I mean, I've, I've done other events through other organizations, but this is truly like my own thing. So it was stressful. I was, I was, I was in awe of what you did in such a quick time. Like, you know, you launched your Facebook group and you were like, I'm just doing it. And you did it. Yeah. And I, I was really inspired by that. And I'm curious of like, would you say that, um, a lot of people that are in your Facebook group attended the event? I know it's tough because they can be from all over. Uh, but curious, no, like, no, not at all. I think there was uh, maybe three or four of my design friends who are also in the, like the creative human design Facebook group. Um, but no other, it was like other friends of the panelists, people just from the community who had seen it and just, it had resonated with them and they wanted to come. Like there was such a broad range. We had uh, one of the owners of um, like a tattoo studio in town, like a male. And he mm-hmm. was like, I have to come to this. I'm like, great. And I had a great conversation with him um, during the event. And he might actually be someone that I would consider for like series two as a panelist. So it just like, it blew my mind, the variety of people who saw value in this and just wanted to come out and check it out. Amazing. So why don't you tell everybody a little bit more about your mentorship stuff that you're doing now? Oh, geez. My mentor. Okay. Okay. So yes, I, um, with this Facebook, like there's the creative human mentorship series, which is for all creative professionals, but there's the creative human, um, business insight. I see. I don't even know what the name of my own group is. I feel you. (laughs) We'll link it. We'll link it later, but, um, yeah, it's basically insights and, um, business insight for interior designers. Um, yeah, I, I've had some private, uh, clients that I've been mentoring like designers on the side for the last two years or so. And I never took it public. I just, people would reach out and I'm like, yeah, sure. I would love to work with you on some of these, some of the questions and priorities that they had. Um, strategies, like ways that they can improve their practice, uh, strengthen their business, improve, you know, that client relationship, trade relationship, just ways to sort of tighten up and work smarter, not harder in their business. Um, So yeah, I just, I've been working with a few people off and on. And after this event, I was like, okay, I'm a mentor. (laughs) I kind of didn't know it, but I kind of knew it. Um, I'm like, why am I not offering this as a service, you know, public facing to other designers? Um, Obviously there's a need for it. People are wanting this and I have stuff to give. So yeah, I just decided, you know, it's funny. I decided last, I think it was last week. I just put a post on Facebook and Instagram and I just said like, work with me. It's like now offering one-on-one mentorship for interior design professionals. And within two days, I have six new clients that have signed up for a mentorship, for a mentor partnership with me. Yeah. It's funny how you just, you kind of, you know, you think you have to have all your shit together, pardon my language, before you can offer things to the world. And it's so not the case. It's like, if you take, I find if you take that that leap of faith and you take that action, that comes to you. The people that need to show up and be in front of you will be in front of you. And, um, 
yeah, it's like we put so much pressure on ourselves to have everything figured out before we feel we're ready or worthy or like valuable enough to be able to do something in life. And it's like, it's just crazy. It's just, you know, it's wrong. <laughs> it's you know, just wrong. It's, like, yeah. And it prevents so you from taking action, right? It keeps you playing small. And, um, which is sad because then you're not truly sharing the best parts of yourself with the world, which the world needs. And on every level, like everybody has gifts to offer people. So am I the world's best interior designer? No. Have I got my systems and everything like nailed down a million percent and, you know, I've taken over the world and I'm like the authority on interior design? No, but I've got 16 years of experience you know, building a business from scratch and like a very profitable business. I've been through everything. Like there's pretty much, I would say there's not much I haven't seen or experienced myself. Um, and I feel that my true gifts, I mean, yes, design is a passion and I, I, I'm thankful that I'm good at it, but my true gifts are tapping into other people's potential and bringing the potential out in them. And that's what I'm most excited about moving forward for my career is a transition into a stronger mentorship position. And I'm going to add like another thing I think is like a strength of yours, just from my limited experience of talking with you. And I'm going to figure out how to like actually put it into words. Um, I would, I really resonate with you. And I think like, truth be told, it's not for everybody, but when it's for the right people, I think you um, are very in tune with like, things like energy and like, you know, putting things out into the world and getting it back and having a positive, having a positive attitude and seeing things from both sides. So like, instead of like, for example, like, you know, we've had conversations before where it's like, you know, so this happened and this is how I feel. Whereas you're really good at saying, you know what, um, maybe, if somebody made you feel that way, it's important for you to look into yourself and understand why that person is making you feel that way because nobody has the power to make you feel any sort of way unless there's something going on yeah. inside. So, and I think that's a very powerful thing to, to have and to be able to help the people that you're going to work with be able to open their mind that way because mm-hmm. I know like that's how my mind, I mean, I wasn't always like that. And I think Nor that was, I that way. Yeah. Yeah. That's neither was I. It's very empowering. Well, it, that's exactly the key word. It's, it's empowering. And like the power belongs completely to you. We give, we so often give our power away to other people, you know, whether it's emotional, mental, um, we let experiences and situations, you know, with clients, maybe, you know, they go off on us about something that's out of our control or, you know, something happens and something comes in damaged. And it's just, it's just like problem solving. We're constantly problems, problem solving. Um, and it's sometimes very hard not to take things personally. You know, you kind of, you want, we're people pleasers. We want everyone to think we're doing the best job possible. And when things aren't going hundred percent, it's easy for some of us to get really hard on ourselves and question like, what am I doing? And like, I don't know what I'm doing. And it's not even about that. It's about owning your power. And, um, you're gonna have to edit this. I just had like a blank mind. <laughs> it's okay. I just said my burps. Not a roll. I was on a roll, Tim. <laughs> I thought you stopped because you heard me burp. No, I was like, my mind's just blank. I'm like, all about your power. And then, bleh. <laughs> I do that. So to I'm, you. A, I'm a real person too, Michelle. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> We're real behind this mic. It's all about, okay, so it's all about your power and it's all about um, self awareness. That's for me has been the crucial 
component in this whole thing. And for me to be able to up level as well is is just working on my own self-development, personal development and self-awareness, um, owning everything and every decision that I make in my business. Um, yes, things happen that are external, you know, that we don't have control over, but we have all the power on how we deal with those. And for me, somehow that's been what people have resonated the most with is like they're, they don't have the tools um, and they haven't been exposed to other ways of thinking around certain situations. And luckily I have found, you know, mentors or I've, I've had coaches um, that have, you know, given some insight and I've been able to work on that myself. And I find like that's where one of my strengths is. And okay. Before we leave, mm-hmm. what, um, okay. Well, first of all, how can people work with you if they want to work uh, with you? Um, people have just been reaching, well, people have just been reaching out on Facebook. So, um, whether it's through the creative, okay, wait, let me grab my phone. I I need to look up the, this is terrible. Oh my God. Okay. So you can reach out uh, on Facebook. It's creative human and it's mentorship and business insight for design professionals. So you can send us a message, send me a message there. Um, there's Instagram. There's also my website. So people have just sometimes like sent an inquiry on my website, basically anywhere I am online, just shoot me a message and we will connect some, some way or another. I love it. And I'll make sure that I link all that. I don't do show notes anymore because ain't anybody got time for that. Right. But I do put like links um, in the actual podcast episode that people, so I'll make sure you send me all those links so that I am connecting it to the right person. My promise to everyone is I myself hate being spammed. Like I never really use the word hate because it's so powerful, but I freaking hate when you're, you know, so give us your, your, your email, we'll send you more information or we'll send you a free, whatever. And, blah, blah, blah. and then you just get bombarded by stuff. And like my promise, because I hate it so much myself, my promise is to everyone else. Like if you're interested, it's honestly, there is no pressure. Um, I, what I have is a informational package that I would send to you. You can read through it. Um, it tells you exactly how the mentorship, like a mentor partnership works with me, what to expect from it. Some of the things that we would go over, I have a promise to you. And then I also have a promise that you make to me as like your mentor. So there's a whole informational package. I send it to you guys. And then, um, yeah, if it's something that you feel is right for you, works for you. Perfect. If you're like, this is awesome, but just not for me, you won't hear from me again. (laughs) You know, it's very much, um, it's only if it works for you and I completely respect that it's not for everybody. And, um, yeah. So and I think you're too, interested, like out. join her Facebook group and get a vibe for her because I find like, you know, it's always like when you're ready to make a commitment like that, normally you mm-hmm. want to get a feel. So join her Facebook group, of course. see the amazing value that she's going to give times a million. If you become, a mentee. Yeah. A mentee. I just a client. I don't know. It sounds weird. Mentee sounds even worse. So I, we have to come up with like a cool, funky name for that. I'm not sure what that is, but um, I also offer anyone who's interested, um, call me. I will talk to you for 30 to 60 minutes. You can ask me anything you want. Um, I will not sell you on anything. This is exactly, you know, the reason I do this is so I get to talk to you a little bit more. I have questions for you and um, you'll talk, you have questions for me. Uh, it's just like that. It is what it is. And yeah, I'm not trying to, there's no gimmick. There's no program. There's no, there's blocks of time that you can purchase that you can use at your leisure. And we can hammer, you know, off all the priorities and top of mind things you want to talk about. And, um, that's it. I don't know if that's how professional mentors do it, but I'm not a professional mentor of sorts and uh, I'll just do it my own way. And I feel like that's 
safe Absolutely. and comfortable for everybody. So and I think, do my own thing. <laughs> yeah, and I think at the end of the day, like I feel like this whole podcast episode has been very it's really clearly illustrated what can happen if you just get started and not worry and wait for it to be perfect because you did that and I'm still doing it. (laughs) I'm still winging it here and there, (laughs) you know, I don't know. Sometimes I'm like, what am I doing? But you, the answers come to you when you need the most. Um, and this is what I told the panelists the morning of. I all sent them, uh, I sent them text messages, but like voice text. And I was like, good morning, rock stars. <laughs> and I basically said, you know, don't stress. Cause some of them are pretty stressed. Like don't stress. This is already predetermined. Whatever is going to happen today is already going to happen. So just enjoy it. Let it come and just enjoy being here in the moment. Um, and I think that's how we should treat life is like things will, it's already predetermined. We are participants and of course we have input, but whatever's going to happen is going to happen and just be grateful and, um, be present. I love that. That's like the most perfect way to end the podcast. (laughs) Okay. Did you tell everybody though, um, what your, um, business website was? Did you say that? Oh, sorry. So my design Instagram, so you can get all the Holy smokes. You're going to have to make a list here. Um, my, um, my design company is called urban theory, interior design, and the website's urban theory, interior design.com on Instagram. We are urban theory, interior design. Um, but then there's also on Instagram, there is a creative human design mentorship. There's a page for that. There's also creative human mentorship series. So that's the event and there's highlights and video and all the information from that. Um, I don't know if I've missed anything, but yeah, this, there's a lot. If I did, <laughs> you know, just shoot it to, my, to sure. me and I'll make sure it's in. When I say show notes, guys, I'm talking about like in your podcast app. Yeah. I'm not talking about a website. Yeah. Because a girl can only do so much for a right? passion podcast. I know. <laughs> I know. Anyway, thank you so much for coming uh, in for three times. And yeah, I'm totally you. down. If you decide you want to do one of these in Toronto, I'm, I'm game. Just so yes, just so everyone knows. I when I told Michelle that this is what we were doing, um, of course, you know, you were like, we have to do one. I'm like, well, why can't we? Why can't we do it in Toronto in 2020? Like, this could be something that you know. Now that we have a format and we know sort of what has to go into it, why can't we travel around and meet up with all these amazing people that you know that you meet in these groups and these forums? Because that's how I met you. Yeah. Was in someone else's design group. Yeah. And we, so to you, right? And now yeah. you create these amazing relationships. I'm like, why can't we travel around and do some of these events? Um, and maybe just do like design specific events with panelists. Yeah. Um, so I don't know, girl, like maybe, maybe we should talk yeah. <laughs> and plan something. For yeah. Amazing. <laughs> All right. Happen. Have an awesome weekend. I will. Yeah, I will. Thank you so much. And Michelle, thank you so much for, for having me on here again. I, I appreciate it. I love talking to you. Won't be the last time. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Bye ladies. Bye. Don't see you. I see you. Oh, that's better. I'm like, why am I so orange? (sighs) How's it going? I don't know. Good. How are you? Good. Are you at your office or at home? No, I'm at home. I'm at my um, I'm at my dining room table. But the my camera on my laptop is so crap. Like, I like sorry. My camera on my laptop is like the worst. I look like look. I'm all black, 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 and then I'm orange. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
shit. Crap. Yeah. That's better.